Mac Power Users, episode 516, Looking Toward 2020. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett and I am joined, as always, by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Stephen, you sound different. Do I sound more professional? You sound like you have a 12-core voice instead of an 8-core voice. Yeah, it's an upgrade, you know. It's uh, <laughs> faster. It's got handles now, which is fun. I'm touching it now. It's I right like here. the fact that you're recording your first podcast on the new Mac Pro. It is the Mac Power Users. I like that. It's the first one. It is. so. When we recorded last episode, the delivery date was going to be after the new year, and then it showed up two days later. Basically, we ended our recording, and I got I had a, a, an email saying, oh, it's going to be there in 48 hours. Like, oh, I'm not sure what happened there, but, um, you know, it shipped from, from the U.S., it shipped from Texas, and I got it, and it's all set up, and uh, I'll put a picture in the show notes of, the, of it set up under my desk, and I have new... Uh, speakers because I was using the iMac Pro, which has, as you know, actually like kind of fantastic internal built-in speakers. Yeah. And the LG 5K internal speakers are uh, not great. So I actually tried a couple of different speakers and I I found um, some sort of like, they're reference monitors to a degree, but they, um, I don't know, I've I've been really happy with them so far. So I I have those now and they're enormous, like take up a bunch of desk space, but they sound really good. So it's just been a it's been a process to get all this going. I wish I'd known. I actually have a really good set of speakers I could have mailed you because I uh, I was able to get rid of them when I got the right. iMac Pro. Yeah, the these are the let me get the see the box. They're the ProSonos. Um, I'm not actually sure that's how you pronounce that. I'm just gonna lean into it. Uh, the Aris E forty uh, fives or E four point fives. So, anyways, they're you know book shelf speaker size but they're build at least as monitor so you know they're not real bass heavy and you can actually adjust the eq on them pretty easily like with knobs on the back and look yeah i love sound equipment with knobs on the back so i feel like they call they call it to me see that's one more reason why i'm not a mac pro customer the idea of putting speakers on my desk again after not having them for several years that is not an appealing idea to me at all it's a little bit of a bummer but i even thought about like do i build like a shelf behind the display, like on the wall. And like, do I put them on the shelf? And it's like, okay, before I completely renovate my studio, let's just try them on the desk and and see how it goes. All right. Well, today's the year and episode. We want to talk about 2019. We want to talk about uh, going forward into 2020. But but before we do that, I I want to spend a little bit more time on your new new hardware because you got it. Uh, What was it like? You know, tell us a little bit about your unboxing experience. And I know as a former genius, you've probably been pulling it apart, putting it back together. (laughs) Uh, Give us, give us the lowdown, man. We're, we're living vicariously through you. It was great. I mean, the box and everything um, is like, it's real. I mean, as it should be, it's, um, it's very nice. Like the whole unboxing experience is really sweet. There's a bunch of YouTube videos. Like you can go find them. I'll put a couple in the show notes uh, of how that, how that sort of works. But yeah, it, it is fun. I mean, the first thing I did was before I even set it up is I opened it. <laughs> I uh sure. You know, I, I took the the top of it off and poked around and it's very beautiful inside. It's all shiny chrome and and you know cool black boards. So all I've really done is I added uh that that Pegasus 
hard drive enclosure that we spoke about last last time the the small one of the two they they, they have one that's like a big raid I, I didn't go for that um, this is just basically like a, a very expensive piece of metal uh, to mount a couple drives in it and so I got that installed and I had uh, it came with an eight terabyte hard drive and then I was going to uh, put another drive in the second enclosure I ended up finding on Amazon they sell a bunch of them and and I mean, there's like $4 a piece for something. These metal brackets that basically let you mount a two and a half inch drive in a space designed for a three and a half inch drive. Yeah. So I put uh, one of my SSDs, my old external ones in there, set up the eight terabyte time machine, a drive for time machine. And even under my desk, and I actually listened back to the show because I predicted, oh, that drive will be under the desk. I won't hear it. They shipped this thing with the loudest Toshiba hard drive, like known to humankind. <laughs> it yeah. sounded, it was like, you know, I mean, to the point where I think it actually may be like something may be wrong with it. So I'm actually going to talk to their support and be like, is it normal this drive should be this loud? So it's, uh, it's grinding away, <laughs> was grinding away in the Mac Pro and. And the, the most expensive upgrade in your life and your computer just got louder. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's not okay in, in yeah. any way. Uh, so I ended up, putting um opening it up again and putting my other four terabyte ssd in at least until i work out what's going on with this drive or maybe i can find a quieter one so right now like my internal drive and my time machine drive or they have the same capacity which you really want a larger capacity for time machine but i've got like a 1.8 terabytes free on the internal drive now so i've got plenty i got some breathing room until i figure this out so for now i've got two ssds mounted in these like el cheapo brackets put in the very expensive bracket all plugged into the mac pro i feel like you should never again soil your mac pro with a spinning drive you know i was thinking that i think i think that may be true the problem is if you need more than four terabytes you have very limited options when it comes to ssds Uh, there's a uh mac sales you know owc uh they announced a uh i forget what they're calling it but I'll, i'll put in the show notes it's this pci card and basically, you can put in four of the little M.2, the tiny little uh, SSDs. Yeah, like the the internal ones they put on the laptops. Yeah, very similar. Like It looks like a stick of gum. Yeah. Um, and they have this where you can put four. Those M.2 drives, most of them cap out at two terabytes right now. And this card, you can put four of them on there. And then you can raid them together. So you could stripe it all and get eight terabytes or you know do raid five or ten and get six terabytes. You can divide up how you want. Yeah, uh, but it's like sixteen hundred bucks, which is, I mean, M dot two drives are cheap. This card is expensive, and um, I like OWC, and, and so I, I would like to check this out at some point. But uh, there are, if you need more than a four terabyte volume, your options go way down. I think that will get better over time, but for now, it's uh, a little bit tricky. Maybe time to throw just a little bit of data overboard or or put it on a spinning archive drive that you don't keep attached or something. I yeah, I need to do something. I mean, the, the current situation is temporary, but at least the machine is silent again. And uh, I think I sent you a screenshot the other night. I pushed it by exporting a 4K video out of Final Cut and at the same time rendering uh, the six, the audio of the podcast-a-thon, which is six hours of audio. Yeah rendering it in forecast or encoding it, I should say from M4A to MP3 and uh, forecast is the, t- the tool I use for this. And it's multi-threaded and it maxed out all 12 cores for, it was like 10 minutes or something. It took a long time. 
And yeah. the thing was silent. Now you could feel the air out the back. It was warm, but totally silent. It was very impressive. That was a beautiful menu bar. I'll just say that. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> a bunch of all those graphs all full. So Well, I'm glad I'm glad you're enjoying it. It sounds like you're already putting it to to work and that's good. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it and I look forward to um once the dust sort of settles with my setup, being able to, you know, go into it over time and adjust things and you know the storage will be something I need to keep an eye on. But now I have options internally, which is what I wanted. Yeah, I saw recently I spent some time looking at a friend's um LG monitor. Mm-hmm. And that that's a that's just a deal killer. I just I like the glass. I like the way the iMac looks. Yeah, it's weird that it doesn't have the the cover glass, but it's yeah, it's fine. You know, my fingers are crossed yeah. for Apple to do something here. Um, yeah. One thing I did want to talk about, just because I haven't seen it or heard it anywhere else, is that the base GPU on the Mac Pro has two HDMI ports out the back, but my display is Thunderbolt. And, okay. And so, like, well, how do you plug it in? Well, it's uh, all the Apple's video cards are MPX modules. And all, all that means is, is that it uses PCI and Thunderbolt to connect to the system. And so my display, my 5K display, is actually plugged into one of the Thunderbolt ports on the back of the of the Mac Pro on the I.O. card. It's actually not plugged into the GPU at all. But because it's an MPX module, it can basically route all of its data over the internal Thunderbolt bus and then out to the display. It's very strange. I've I've never had a computer yeah. <laughs> like this before, and the the higher end MPX modules, which I'll upgrade at some point, they have Thunderbolt on them, but this this low end one doesn't. And I got it out of the box, and I was like, "Oh no! Like, did I miss something that I can't use this display with this computer?" And, and so I plugged it into the Thunderbolt three port, and it worked just fine. It's just very strange not to plug it into the to the graphics card. It's a very unusual setup. Well, I mean, that's, uh, we've all had a lifetime of using graphics cards and, well, the people that have ever worked on the other side of the fence. And the, um, you know, you put the graphics card in, you plug into the graphics card. You never plug into the monitor connection on the motherboard because that's the, the really bad <laughs> right. graphics. Yeah. It's very unusual, but it works totally yeah. fine. And yeah. uh, it's an oddity of the system. What's been the most surprising thing for you that you, now you've been working with it for a few days? I mean, I am a little surprised that under load, it is silent. I thought I would hear something. Now, I don't have, you know, it's, it's air quotes around this, just the 12 core. So it's not like the 28. And I don't have a bunch of video cards in it generating heat. But I mean, I that render, those renders took a long time. And that workload, I would have heard the iMac Pro without a doubt. And yeah. I did not hear the Mac Pro. Now it's under the desk. I, mean, I got down next to it on the floor and that really impressed me. And as someone who records a lot of audio, it's one reason I went with the iMac Pro is because it was quiet. And so it's um, that's that's really impressed me. And so far, I've really, I mean, I've been moving it around, like unplugging and plugging things in. But like once that all settles, um, it's just going to be nice to know that I've got something here that I can depend on for a long time. It's the beginning of a beautiful long relationship. And last question: because mm-hmm. you're you're a human, you're not I a am. robot. I know that some part of your brain is planning the next upgrade to this Mac Pro. Sure. What is it? What's the next thing you're going to do? Probably the GPU. Yeah. Um, okay. Just because what's in it isn't even as good as what's in the iMac Pro. And I, I noticed in that Final Cut project, I was doing some stuff in it, and it definitely felt slower in places than the iMac Pro did. And I don't do a lot of video, but when I do it, I want it to go smoothly. And so I think at some point, 
you know, probably that, you know, they're actually not for sale yet as of this recording a few days before Christmas, but, you know, maybe sometime in the, the next few months, if those MPX modules go on sale, we can just buy one. I think I will upgrade to the, uh, either the, the intermediate one that's not for sale yet. There's a graphics card that Apple has announced, but isn't listed anywhere or go up to the Vega, like the, the, the next level up, which I think is $2,800. So that's not going to happen uh, tomorrow, yeah. but you know, maybe by the time it's available, you know, sometime into 2020, I think that at that point, everything about this system would be faster than what I had. Well, the one thing I would suggest is just wait six months. Cause I suspect that I, I don't think, I think there's more to be told about, you know, these, these graphics so. cards. Yeah. I, I hope that that's true, that, that Apple really stays on it, but we will, um, we'll see. And there's also, of course, you know, you can put in like a regular AMD video card, but they all have fans. I don't want that. So yeah. I hope that Apple stays on top of it, releasing new components for the system. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you have to keep us posted on yeah, your ongoing uh, adventures with Mac Pro. Yeah, I, f- I feel like with those guys who have like a hot rod in the garage, right? And they're always like, yeah. oh, I got to rebuild the carburetor, like changing the points or like, you know, whatever it yeah. is. I yeah. kind of feel like that now, but with a computer. Yeah. It's the nerdiest version of that possible. I, I mean, I would be super tempted to just keep the case open because they're so pretty on the inside. <laughs> it won't run. It's got to be cl- It's got to be shut. Uh, does it? Yeah. But man, that um, if you ever get the chance to like take the top of a Mac Pro off with permission of its owner, definitely do it because it is a very satisfying like just all the like the handle and everything. It's it's all very nicely done. For, for the show notes, can you take give us a picture of the inside too? Of yours. Yeah, yeah. I'll do All some right. photos and uh, I'll, I'll put them in do the show a photo notes. shoot with your Mac. Pro. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. Okay, well, that's not actually why we got on the mic today, though. Uh, it's the end of the year. Hard to believe. Uh, first of all, that's awesome, right? Got through an, another year, of Mac Power users. Lots of cool stuff happened this year. We wanted to start the show looking back a little bit, 2019, but the focus of today's show is looking forward to 2020. Things we'd like to see happen. Uh, we asked off in the forums and got some great comments from the listeners as well but but let's start with the uh, 2019 looking back the uh for the show i thought we had a really good year with mac power users i do too i mean it's hard to believe that i've been on the show for a year now and yeah. uh, and I, i've got to say like any like right off the bat the the mac power users community has been so welcoming to me in in every way possible no, it's it's a big deal to join a show like this after it's been running for a long time. I was very nervous about it, and and even though I felt confident that you and I were a good team and that you know we could continue to produce the high level of of show that that MPU has has been known for for a really long time, you know, I was nervous. And the audience, you know, y'all out there have been so welcoming to me, but in person, if if we see each other or in emails or on the forums, and I just want to say thank you just off the bat to those of you who have uh, reached out to me over the last year, because it really means a lot and has put me at ease and has made MPU feel like home. And that's something that um, that means a lot to me. Yeah, I, I was just signing Katie's uh, Christmas card last night. I'm like, I miss talking to her every week, but you know, it's, I've been having a really good time with Steven too, so it's all good. Yeah, we uh, we had two live events. Uh, we got on, because we did live events years ago, but we kind of got off that bandwagon for a little while and, I was really happy to do shows in front of a live audience. That was really fun. I'll tell you, when we did the one in Chicago and my family was there, I actually got nervous because my family was there. Isn't that weird? (laughs) I feel the same way. I mean, my wife, Mary, was at WWDC and she came to the live Connected. And 
you know, I've done a lot of live shows at this point, but I was nervous. I was like, not nervous in the sense that like, it's just very different when your family's there and like, yeah, Mary, like you know, like, like your family, like, they don't listen to your shows on a regular basis. And like, it's like, you're going to see me in an element and through a light, you don't normally see me. And for me, at least, I don't know how you feel about this, but like I play an exaggerated version of myself on stage, right? Especially at WBDC, like the connected show yeah. is very hectic and goofy and, and that is a, a push for me. And, and it's something that I find exhausting. Like, I'm glad we don't do a lot of those back to back. And like for to be seen in that environment by your significant other is a very it's a very weird thing, and so I totally yeah. empathize with that feeling. Yeah, I, I in terms of just the on stage persona, I am just who I am. After five hundred shows, I yeah. I can't do that. Yeah, but the uh, but it was just weird. But that was really great. We hit show five hundred this year, which you know who would have thought? And um, and a real highlight for Mac Power users this year was after ten years of production. Apple, you know, Apple was listening. They invited us to WWDC to attend the keynote. We got to interview the product manager for that fancy Mac Pro under Steven's desk. And it, it really just felt great getting some acknowledgement from Apple um, after having, I feel like, you know, done a lot for the community over these years. And, and I don't know, it's, it felt really good to me this year. Totally. And, and I hope, you know, uh, we don't know what the future holds. Uh, we're hopeful that we can continue to do that sort of thing. But even if we can't, um, I think the nod from Apple uh, to podcasting in general is a positive thing. And, you know, podcasts are a really unique thing to our community. And so many people are invested in them, right? Like, I mean, it's it's our jobs to produce them now. And yeah, it was really special and it, it did feel really good to sort of get the tap on the shoulders, like, you know, getting called up to the major leagues, even even if it's uh, not ongoing. So uh, that was really, really exciting. Yeah, I agree. How about Apple? How do you think Apple did this year? I think Apple had a pretty good 2019, honestly. I think if you look at it from the power user perspective on, you know, the hardware and the software front, I think they did a a pretty good job. You know, I'll let, I'll let you talk about iPad OS because that's more your jam than mine. But the Mac hardware teams were like on fire. You know, they released a bunch of stuff. Uh, they didn't quite get the keyboard fixed on all the models, but I expect that will happen early next year. We didn't get new iPad hardware, but the iPad hardware, or we didn't get new iPad Pro hardware, I should say. But what we had in 2018 is still really awesome. And the iPad, the iPad mini, and the iPad Air all got really nice updates this year. And of course, the iPhone 11 and 11 Pro uh, are spectacular as well. So I feel like hardware, like I would give them an A if they got the keyboard replaced on everything, but I'll give them a B plus. I got to knock them a little bit for the MacBook Air and the 13 inch still having the bad keyboard. And um, yeah, the hardware is was really good. I feel like the the Mac hardware in particular, they kind of fell asleep a few years ago. Definitely. And they woke up, but you wake up, you still got to get out of bed, get showered, you know, and all that. And yeah. I think it took them a couple of years to kind of bring to fruition what started once they realized, oh, wait a second, we're not doing sure. the Mac justice. And this year we saw a lot of those, you know, those bets paid off with the Mac Pro, with the, you know, with the improved MacBook Pro with the better keyboard, which seems to be universally adored by people that, you know, like the Mac Pro, I'm sorry, MacBook Pro. The the MacBook Air, am I wrong? Is it this year that it came out, or was it 2018, or was it, it was, late 20? It, it was late 2018. 
Yeah, well, either way, the MacBook Air is back in a good design, except for that keyboard, which which we both hope will get fixed. It just seems like they kind of got their act together on the MacBook and the uh, and the Mac in general. Uh, I'm with you. The iPad Pro didn't need an update this year. And honestly, if they come out with a new one next year, I, I probably I shouldn't say this on this show. But, you know, <laughs> put it on I, the record, I, David. Put it on the record. I, I, I they'd have to really sell me because I I use mine every day. I love it, but yeah. I'm not sure what I need. Why would I need a better one? I kind of feel the same way about the iPad. Like it is really good, and I love the design language. I hope that design comes to the iPhone, like the flat edges and everything. But oh yeah. Even with iPad OS, like it feels plenty powerful. Like I, I never feel like I'm waiting for my iPad to do something. You're never peaking all twelve cores, you know. No, no, no fan noise either. Totally silent, just like just like my computer. Same thing. <laughs> iPhone hardware, solid year. Yeah. Uh, that the new camera, I thought was a gimmick when I heard about it, and now I love it. And I love the wide all angle all the time. Yeah, me too. Or e- even more than as much as I like the wide angle, what I like even more is the ability to take portrait shots at one X. Um, yeah, I wish that could be the default because every time I go to portrait mode, I got to switch that. But I had some complaints about the the iPhone the XS camera. I thought, especially in the HDR mode, it looked a little like too contrasty like but they also got rid of a bunch of noise and smoothed it all too much but yeah the 11 pro is like it's my favorite iphone in a long time i really love it and the camera is incredible and it's it's such a good example of apple's like hardware and software playing hand in hand where yeah Yeah. like it does some wild stuff like cameras are as much software as they are hardware now and apple has just killed it this year in that regard yeah. Now, software is is a more interesting question in terms of grading Apple for 2019. Yeah. Um, the you know the the narrative clearly is that they blew it because we're getting so many software updates and bug fixes since since you know September. I think it's more complicated than that, honestly. Um, if you go you know wind back to WWDC, we were all just ecstatic about all of the the features they announced, you know, I, I felt like for several years, Apple was not pushing hard enough on all the platforms in terms of software. There was a lot of features that I wanted that weren't there, you know, and it was like, this was the year they said, Oh yeah, we're going to do that. And we're going to do that too. And it just felt, I was so awesome um, seeing them announce all this stuff. And, you know, I guess it turns out they bit off more than they could chew. And, there's a lot of, you know, commentary on that and I don't really want to get into all of it, but they shipped a lot of the features, but not all of them. And the, the beta period was way buggier than usual. And we've had all these software updates, which I think are generally a bad thing because there are people that don't listen to Mac power users that just own an iPhone. And when they have to do software updates every week, they start to lose faith in the platform. So Mm -hmm. I, I understand why that's all bad. I wrote a post to Max Barkey before kind of everything hit the fan, just saying, look, I think they need to keep pushing, you know, even if it means that everything is not perfect on day one, they need to keep pushing. And and I really don't want to go back to these days where we have these lackluster WWDCs where they say, hey, we we made this cool emoji and that's the new feature this year. You know, (laughs) know, I, I really want them to keep pushing like this. Maybe they bit off too much this year, but I, I hope that we don't get back into this pendulum swing where we have one year where they, they say they're going to do a bunch of things, and then the next year they're not going to do anything. So I guess, I guess this story really needs to be told in 2020. But 
But I don't want to be super critical about them being aggressive and trying to do a lot. I guess I guess my complaint would be towards management more than, you know, the line programmers just saying, okay, you guys got to be better about figuring out which one of these make the cut and not. But I, I'm not really sure I'm verbalizing what I feel about this, but I don't want to be so critical that, you know, the if I was at Apple, I'd say, well, then we just won't give them anything next year. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's really complicated, right? And yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a developer, but I can't imagine the complexity of pulling together a project as big as Mac OS or iOS, you know, all the apps, all the subsystems, and it, it and it be usable at the end of that development cycle. Like it, it, it yeah. seems like a miracle to me, honestly, like, it, like how does, yeah. how is it possible? Uh, but I think you're right. And I agree with you that I tend to look towards their uh, management, uh, this being a, a management issue, because I've never met anyone who works for Apple who isn't incredibly enthusiastic about the work that they do. And I think the direction change that you talked about of, Hey, you know, iOS 12 is going to be, slow we're going to pull off the gas and focus on stability and then 13 is like a train wreck and they have to put a bunch of bunch of updates out and like there's got to be middle ground between the two of those and i just i agree with you i hope they don't go into this like sort of back and forth type year where we're having this conversation every other year i do think though that at this point you know at the end of the year ios 13 and ipad os even catalina are in pretty good shape. Like I feel like I have not run into really any issues in in quite a while on my phone, iPad or Mac that that you know you can blame on the operating system. And so I feel like they've gotten the ship righted and now I'm just hopeful that they learned some lessons that they can apply moving forward. I mean, one simplistic answer that comes to my mind is just at WWDC you say these are the features we're going to get out in the next year, not these are the features we're going to get out in September. And in a lot of cases over the last several years, that's been what's happened anyway. Like this year, they announced all these kind of Dropbox-like features where we'd be able to share files and stuff from my cloud drive, which just aren't there yet. And I expect we'll probably get them sometime next year. We'll talk about that later in the show. But, you know, why give yourself this September deadline for all of that work? And, um, but, you know, it's a, it's a multi billion dollar company i'm sure there's a lot of people smarter than me that have thought about mm-hmm. that and found a reason not to say that but but i uh i i do think that it, they could have certainly done better this year i wish that the final release had been more stable because like i said i think about people like my wife who say oh another update you know what is this you know and yeah they don't they don't understand what's going on and how hard they're working at adding so much to the operating system to satisfy people like us MP, mpu listeners you know, they're trying to walk that balance, but they I, they need to work on that more. I think that's exactly right. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by our friends over at 1Password. Go to onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps. The all caps part is important to get 20% off. And right now, as we hit the end of the year, I think this is a great time to sign yourself up for a family plan. I did this once in a fit of New Year enthusiasm three or four years ago. And my kids were uh, in high school at the time, uh, starting to get access to a lot of passwords for the stuff they were doing in their lives. And I knew they had really lousy password habits. So that's what what inspired me to go sign up. I've been a paying customer myself now for for several years with the family plan. And, And I really think it's a great way to go for setting up 
password and actually training your kids to have good password habits with a one password for family account you can get up to five people on the account and it does three things it shares it protects and it lets you relax as the person in charge so by sharing with the one password family account you can share the Netflix password with your kids without sharing your banking password. It's just, it's a system that's compartmentalized and easy enough to use that everybody can get, get into it. But like I said, you don't have to put all the passwords in one bank where everybody can see it. Like my kids have a bunch of passwords for the stuff they do with their school. I don't see those, but the stuff that we have that's related to the family, we all get that. Um, you have the ability to set permissions so you can decide who to share your information with and, and what they can do with it where the stuff doesn't need to get shared, you can keep it personal. So you've still got that same benefit, uh, but you get the protection for the whole family. Um, you can sign in to your account from a web browser. You always get the most up-to-date versions of the software and the one password apps are award-winning. They're just great apps. Uh, just the other day I was using one password. One of the things I've done with it now is, you know, when you get these two factor authentication things, you know, there are applications out there that you can buy that will give you the, the two factor authentication code. Uh, some people don't realize one password can do that too. So I've got all that built right into one password. I just added my my PayPal two-factor authentication the other day and I opened up one password. I shot a picture of the QR code on the screen and now all my authentication takes place right there in one password. But with the uh, family account, you get 24-7 support. You have an item history backup. They've got the watchtower service, which it keeps track of the websites that you have passwords for. And if they have a major breach, the app's going to tell you, hey, you know what? You should change your password at this site. They've had problems. And it just takes care of this stuff for you. And like I said, the best part of it was sitting down with my kids, not being a jerk about it, but saying, hey, guys, I want you to protect your privacy going forward. Why don't you try this app out? And they totally bought onto it. And they're using one password. And as they grow up in their lives, hopefully they'll have a safe and secure passwords going forward. So once again, head over to onepasswordcom slash MPU in all caps. Set your family up for success on the internet with a 1Password for family account. Thank you, 1Password, for all of your support of the Mac Power users. So let's talk a little bit about what we'd like to see from Apple in 2020. And um, I think I think the bouncing back and forth between hardware and software makes sense. Uh, do you want to get us started? Uh, okay. My first wish for 2020 is that we kill all the butterflies. Kill them all. You mean the keyboards, not the yes. lovely little... Butterf okay. Butterfly butterflies in general, I'm a fan of butterflies. I don't like them Got in it. my keyboards. Got it. Uh, yeah. I mean, just... It's so great. I mean, I've been using this new one and typing on it, and it feels just like typing at my iMac, the exact same keyboard in essence. And the space bar still works. <laughs> you know, Everything's good. <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't buy the narrative like, well, we got to give this a year to see if it's going to be good. It's going to be fine. I mean, it's just like the keyboard they've been shipping with iMacs for years. Um, but the uh, but just, you know, do whatever you have to do to fix that problem now. You know, I, I don't want to get to the end of 2020 and still see uh, people paying thousands of dollars for keyboards that are going to, you know, very possibly fail. Mm-hmm. They got to do it. They've just got to do it. The sooner the better. I mean, it's it's already a problem because there's somebody listening to this show or, well, just as this show publishes, somebody in the world is buying a Mac with a butterfly keyboard in it. And yeah. two, three, four years from now, that's going to be a problem. I mean, we're going to be hearing about this forever. 
mm-hmm. or it feels like forever. So just like <laughs> we got it, we got to stop, you know, and I'm really going to try this year. I know some of the listeners say, Dave, stop whining about the keyboard, but I, I just, I'm really going to try in 2020 to turn the page on this, but I'm still going to talk about it a little bit until Apple fixes it across the board. As far as laptops go, I would like to see that 13-inch MacBook Pro get the treatment the 16-inch got. So maybe it gets a little bit bigger. Maybe it gains a 14-inch display. Of course, the new keyboard, but also the better cooling. The 13-inch MacBook Pro is a really weird machine because it has the Intel integrated graphics. It doesn't have like the sort of uh, fancy pants, big graphics the the 16-inch has. And I don't know if they could accommodate that even in the 14-inch. But I know in my experience with the 13-inch touch bar machines over the years, the battery life isn't spectacular, so they could address that. They do run hot. So I would like to see that machine grow up a little bit. Plus, I think 14 inches is just a really nice size. Apple used to sell power books back in the day at 14 inches. They had the iBook as well. And it's a great Goldilocks size where it's it's not a tiny little 13-inch, but it's not so big you can't use it you know, a bunch of different places. And so I'm really hopeful that that 13-inch MacBook Pro sort of graduates into this this new design language. I, I feel like the um the the thir- the 13 slash 14 inch footprint must be way more popular than the bigger one. Oh yeah. Gotta be. So yeah, I feel like that I mean I would be shocked if we don't get a new update to that with the new keyboard. The one I'm worried about is is the MacBook Air because it's a relatively new computer and it's probably got started before they decided to fix the keyboard or change the keyboard. And uh, my guess is there's some some work that has to go into that. But man, the sooner the better. Especially, I mean, the MacBook Air's got to be the most popular notebook, which makes it the most popular Mac. And yeah. people in our world, right, listeners of this show, people who are hanging out in the forums, like we get it. Like we're not happy with the keyboard, but we understand what to do if it goes wrong. But if you send your kid to college with a MacBook Air, and the E key stops, like that's a a thing they got to deal with. And yeah. they just, I know we keep harping on it, but like, honestly, if this is all Apple did hardware wise in, in like the first half of 2020, I'd be totally fine with it. Just, just fix it. I've got some, uh, some wishes and desires for iOS hardware in 2020, but I know you've got some more on the Mac. Why don't you share some of those? Yeah, just a, a handful of things. So the iMac and the iMac Pro, like that design comes from 2012. I think it's I think there's room to improve that design to bring the bezels down a bit in size to uh, maybe they can apply the cooling from the iMac Pro into the regular iMac so it's not as noisy. And I think hand in hand with that is finally moving past spinning hard drives. Uh, this came up on the forums uh, earlier this week. Someone was buy- looking to buy an entry-level iMac and a bunch of us like, don't do it. Like, you've got to upgrade to an SSD because the spinning hard drive is just so slow. And the Fusion drives, they've made the SSD section of the Fusion drive smaller and smaller over the years. And so you're running on that spinning drive a lot more than maybe you think you will be. And that's just that's just a little embarrassing that their entry-level iMacs are, are pretty unusable for a lot of people. And there are a bunch of these running around Memphis that I've opened and put SSDs in for people, just like I did at MacStock, because it's they're just so slow. So with an iMac design update, uh, I would hope that Apple could finally get the system to all solid-state storage and finally leave spinning drives in the past. 
Yeah, and I, I don't think it's a given at all that we'll get a design update to the iMac. I feel I, like I don't think it is either. If they were going to do that, we would have got it with the iMac Pro a few years ago. Well, I'm sure we'll get up. It seems like Apple's been getting much better about updating the internal hardware, like you know the the latest Intel chips, or or maybe even you know will this be the year that we see uh, something other than Intel going to Mac? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I've been burned by guessing the year of the ARM Mac transition before, so I, I think the stars are aligning. Whether it's this year or you know 2021, I don't know, but. When that happens, you know, that could really open the door for some really interesting things, especially in the notebook space. So whenever the ARM transition happens, I'm excited to see what that brings. But I don't I don't know if it'll be this year or not. If I had to bet money on it, I would say that it will not be 2020. But that may just be me like not wanting to get burned again by a bad, a bad prediction. But I hope it's coming. I I feel like the fact that one of my best friends just spent a ton of money on a Mac Pro that's Mm -hmm. Intel based. uh, actually adds to the possibility that we'll get our Mac. That's you you know you're probably not wrong about that. So again, like the title last week, taking one for the team. But you know, I, I expect that when they the ARM transition will start in the notebook line and I expect that it would be much slower than the Intel transition. They moved everything to Intel in like 9 months. I don't think that's going to happen with ARM, but who knows. But you know, I, I think until then if Apple can continue to improve their Intel-based Macs and and you know just keep moving forward with them and making improvements like they have the last couple of years, then everyone will be happy. I'll tell you one thing. Even if they don't redesign the iMac, there's a bunch, you know, the iMac Pro and the iMac are very different computers on the inside. Yeah. And and I know that you can't bring it all down because the iMac Pro is much more expensive and got better chips in it and like that. But I do feel like the T2 and, and some of the technology that's in the iMac Pro should be able to find its way down to the iMac. And you referenced earlier that wouldn't it be great if that new thermal system they have in the iMac Pro gets to the iMac. And if they remove the spinning drive, I think that's a total possibility. So fingers crossed. It's also the only Mac without a T2 security chip in it. It's yeah. like, that is a you know as far as desktops go it's a very popular model and i think apple wants to get that security to everybody so i think there's room for i think it's just a matter of if how high of a priority is it i would assume the notebooks are a higher priority for them but i think they'll make it around to the imac i'm hopeful that they do because even though they don't sell as many of them as notebooks i kind of view the imac still as the sort of the flagship line like sort of this is like what I think of as a Mac and maybe that's just my perception as a desktop user, but things get a little long in the tooth is what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. And something I, that occurred to me just as we were talking that I'm not going to hold my breath for, but wouldn't it be nice if we had some kind of touch ID, face ID, something into the desktop computers? Yes. Cause it having used a laptop again now after a while, boy, it sure is nice being able just to put my fingerprint on the upper right corner of that computer and have it author, you know, authenticate one password and, you know, all the stuff that I do that needs a password is just solved with that mm-hmm. in the uh, the laptop. It'd be really nice to, to see them do that. And I always thought, well, they don't want to do it wirelessly, but you made a really good point, I think, on the show recently. It's like, well, they do it with the watch. Why can't they do it on a keyboard? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love it. I mean, same thing for me. I used my notebook for a little while and then back to a desktop. It's like, I just want it. Like, just put it somewhere, you know. <laughs> I, sort of, I sort of had this vision once. Of I would imagine if they do it, they'll integrate it into a keyboard. You have to buy a new keyboard. But, like, what if they just made the world's, like, tiniest USB-C dongle? 
It was like just the size of like your pad on your finger. So like just the Touch ID sensor with the USB-C port off the end of it. Like you plug it into the back of your iMac and then you like you just it, reach around. Yeah, yeah. touch this little like nubbin stick. I don't think that's how they're going to do it. But it sort of made me laugh to think about that. Like what if I put it on a really long USB-C extension cable and like had it under my desk, like some sort of like secret button, you know, to like, I don't know, like lock all the doors. And, you know, I don't know. Something funny, but it would be it would be sweet to have that because the software is there, right? They have it on a, a, all their notebooks. Yeah, no, I, I, it's like, there's gotta be discussions about that going on internally totally. at Apple. Yeah. What about software? Um, do you have anything that's sort of towards the top of your list for 2020? Well, actually, I, before we talk about software, I do have a few iOS things I want to talk about. Okay. Um, I, we've had this new iPhone design, I think has been good. Um, I want a new one this year. I want the iPad pro design translated to an iPhone. That boy, this is, I mean, this is not really like a prediction show much as a desire show, I guess, (laughs) but man, wouldn't it be nice if we had, cause I, every time I pick up this iPad pro, I just, I just love it. I, I have to admit, even though everybody, I guess, hated the antenna, I thought the iPhone four was what some of the peak iPhone design. I just love that look of that metal band around the two pieces of glass. And I'd like to see something kind of you know, reminiscent of that using this new design they have on the iPad Pro. I'd love to see that make its way to the iPhone this year. Me too. Those flat sides are awesome. I think it'd feel really premium. And really, the iPhone 11 Pro, you could draw a pretty clear line from like the iPhone 6 to the current design. You know, they've, they've improved it vastly, but it's step back, you know, sort of look at it with one eye closed. It's basically the same design. So uh, I think this is something that is definitely going to going to happen and i think it would be a, a good way to keep people excited about the phones what about the uh, usb-c I, I i would love it on the phone <laughs> it yeah. would be gr- everything else in my life uses usb-c now except the iphone now and look yeah. it's it's anytime you change the port on the iphone it's a giant pain right but this time around i think there's some things going for it one usb-c is already in a lot of other products so with lightning they moved to something that didn't exist anywhere else. But with USB-C, it's already out in the world. There's a, there's a world of USB-C things out there. But secondly, we have wireless charging now. And a lot of people, I think, use wireless charging you know, on their nightstand or maybe at their desk. I, I do both. A lot of new cars come with wireless charging pads. So like you, you put your phone like in the console somewhere and it, it, it wirelessly charges. So that is, you know, may, like for me, honestly... The only time I plug in my phone is to fast charge it. Like if I'm traveling and I've got 30 minutes in the hotel before I go out for another six hours, I can put it on that big charger and it, it charges really quickly. But other than that, like I, I'm, I don't ever plug things in. And, and when I do, it'd be nice for it to be the same everywhere else. I have no idea if they'll do this, but I know that it would make my life a lot easier in, in some ways, especially when traveling. I think this is another one where the nerds would be, would celebrate it and, the vast majority of users would would hate it because they you're going to make them get different cables or change something. You know, oh, and, oh! I mean, every person in my family would blame me, but uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can't help it. Yeah. Well, either way, um, I I don't know. I I hope that you know we get some great hardware in 2020. Yeah, man. I, you know they've been firing all cylinders. I think they will. They'll keep doing it. Yeah, I think the improvements to the Mac aren't done yet. I do think that we're going to have more to talk about next year. Me too. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by FreshBooks. 
If you're a freelancer, if you're working for yourself, you're doing your own invoicing, you know how time consuming it can be. And then if you add things like tracking expenses or you got to have like a payment processor online, you can spend a bunch of time doing overhead and not actually doing the work that you set out to do when you became a freelancer or went out on your own. And so that's why FreshBooks is so exciting because you can get 192 hours back by simplifying this stuff because they've drastically reduced the time it takes to deal with this paperwork. Over 10 million people have used FreshBooks to save this time, including me. I use it at work every day. FreshBooks can automate things like late payment email reminders so you can spend less time chasing down people to pay you and more time doing the work, more time solving problems for other people. When you email a client an invoice, you uh, can log into FreshBooks and you can see the status of it. So you can see if they've opened it, uh, if they've looked at it, you can see when they looked at it. It gives you information when you go to talk to them. If you have questions or they have questions, you make sure everyone's on the same page. And that's really important when you're trying to uh, collect an invoice and, and you know can't keep the lights on. If you're listening to this and you're not using FreshBooks yet, now's the time to try it. We're at the beginning of a new year, it's a great time to reconsider how you're doing this sort of stuff in your business. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of the show. There's no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash MPU and enter the code MACPOWERUSERS in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's freshbooks.com slash MPU. Our thanks to FreshBooks for the support of the show. So, uh, Stephen, where do you want to see Apple go with software next year? Why don't we start with the Mac this time? Okay. This, in a way, is a is a harder question. Like, I thought a lot about this, and I, I sort of bring it down uh, into a couple of categories. One, I think that it's it's high time that we see some more of of the good parts of iOS come to the Mac. And I know that's like a risky thing to say because in the past that's ended up with weird things. But the the prime example for me is something like messages. We're on the Mac, it has apps and stickers, like all this stuff. And or on the on iOS, excuse me, but on the Mac, it's basically just the old iChat app, just with like aim ripped out and iMessage plugged in. Like it's it's it hasn't changed much. And I think messages is like low key one of Apple's most important products because it keeps people in their ecosystem. And the Mac should have like a first rate like at a seat at the big kids table version of the messages client. And I would love to see that. It would be great for it to be Catalyst because I think Apple and the Catalyst was done mostly in secret. So there was no like headlining app from Apple that used Catalyst, just a bunch of like kind of crummy ones. And yeah, I think it would be great for Apple to come on stage in the summer and say, look, let us show you the new messages app. It is all this stuff. Oh, by the way, we built it with Catalyst proving that you can do it too. And that would be a huge win for everybody. Agreed. I'd like to see, I mean, people say, well, the Mac is good. I mean, they've been making it all these years. The operating system stable. There's nothing to change. I have a bunch of complaints. And one of the, <laughs> one of the ones that I would like to see get better is just the general window management, you know, the spaces, the, like the existing system on the Mac to put two apps on the screen at once. I mean, I, I do a, it with keyboard maestro and it's fine, but if you use Apple's system with it, it's really kind of bananas. You've got to drag and drop. And then once you have something there, 
If you want to remove an app from that double pane view, you have to hit the little you know traffic light and then it breaks it and turns the other one into a full screen app. I mean, it's just not user-friendly. And I don't know anybody that really uses it effectively. And just, I think they need to take a look at some of that stuff because that's something that they've managed to more or less sort out on the iPad, you know, where you've got a widescreen. But the Mac hasn't really got much love in that department. I felt like Stacks was a good start. You know, like Stacks is a great feature for a lot of people who, yeah. you know, don't want to like try and figure all this stuff out. I think they need to take that sentiment and stretch it into spaces and just general file and window management. That That's something I, I feel like that is low-hanging fruit that they could easily solve if they put some resources into it. And I'd love to see that happen this year. I mean, every couple of years, I feel like they go into mission control and like change something, but I'm I'm never sure if it's actually for the better. And I think a bunch of people just ignore all that stuff because it's super confusing. <laughs> they they just need to kind of start over with it and yeah. and just make it something very much more accessible. And I don't know, I, that's something I'd like to see improve. Me too. I mean, there's this whole world of third party apps that do it well. Honestly, Windows does it pretty well. It's like it's it's frustrating that the Mac is sort of behind in this area and. Yeah, I, I think making it, I think most people don't know about any of that stuff, right? Like, and, and they accidentally hit the green stoplight and it goes full screen. They don't know how to get it back. Like, all that can be better. The the other thing I'd like to see with Mac software, and this is kind of part and parcel of of iCloud, really. But if iCloud can get the Dropbox-like features that we've been hearing about, I'd like to see them integrate that better into the Finder for normal users. You mm-hmm. know, the ability to share a file and like, what if you right clicked on a file and there was a share via iCloud? And I mean, just make it much easier for users to get into. Um, and I feel like the underlying mechanics aren't quite there yet, and maybe this is already on the on the whiteboard. But I'd I'd like to see if you're going to get Dropbox like features, I'd like it to be easier than Dropbox. Um, and and it's, since it's one company doing, you know, the whole enchilada, I would hope that they can do that. Yeah. Uh, the iCloud file sharing thing really is is frustrating because I think even what they showed they were going to do this year, which at, at this recording hasn't actually shipped yet, even that wasn't enough. <laughs> it's like you're getting yeah. there. But yeah, I'll, I mean, look, I would love to experiment with iCloud Drive more, but all I do with Dropbox is share stuff. So it's it's not really an option, but I think yeah. people want the option. I think Apple should be competitive in it. Well, even with my laptop, I so I, I'm a laptop owner now. I have not installed Dropbox because I just don't like what it seems like. It's very invasive when you install the Dropbox into yeah. the system, and the like. It does a lot of root level stuff in order to put all those icons in the Finder, and it just, I just you know, and I've been getting by fine without it, but that's not my main computer. If it was my main computer, I'd have to install it. But, mm-hmm. but, it, but I just don't want to do that. And it'd be nice if Apple solved this problem for me. And I totally get this is really hard, and they need to get the underlying feature before they can make it pretty in the user interface. But that I feel like this is a good year to to get that rolling. Sounds great to me. Sign you me up for any, that feature. You got any other Mac software stuff you want to see this year? I mean, I think it's a lot of the first party apps, uh, mainly mail comes to mind. It's like there's so much good stuff going on in mail clients elsewhere. We talked about this from the iOS perspective, but Mac mail has been unchanged for a really long time. And it's kind of being outshone by a lot of pretty decent third party clients or even like what Gmail does on the web. And I would like to see a more modern take on email in the built in client. 
I, I was reading an article where they put like a shark in a pin with like a, a, another fish that the sharks like to eat, right? And they put a glass pane between them and the shark kept banging into the glass going for the fish, right? And then after like doing this for X number of days or months, they pulled the glass out and the shark didn't even try to eat the fish anymore. That that's me in Apple Mail. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I just I don't you know maybe they'll improve it. I'm not going to put that on any lists again. You know I've been there. <laughs> I yeah. banged my nose into that glass a lot. Uh, I'm still using it, and you know I found my kind of happy place with it. But because the you know underlying it all is Apple Mail is very stable, sure, and a lot of these third party apps aren't so. Maybe that's why they're not adding features to it. They can't do that without having to break stability. And when we, you know, primary, primarily in an email client, we need stability. But, but yeah, I, I I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna think about Apple Mail until it actually happens. The um, one thing I would like, I wrote down on the list here, and this is wish wish casting, but you know, shortcuts for Mac. I I just had uh, an extended email conversation with a listener who was trying to put together some automation on her Mac and. She was trying to make it work in Automator. And, you know, the problem is Automator, Sal kind of got cut off at the knees. They never gave Automator the the depth of support that they've given shortcuts. So, like, we couldn't pass a variable to her Automator script. I mean, and I know you can use Apple script, but this was a, you know, a, a not super power user that was I was trying to help out. And, you know, so anyway, it's just a lot of the stuff we take for granted in shortcuts is not in Automator. So... It would be nice if if we could get that across, you know, all all Apple platforms. Yeah, and shortcuts is way more user friendly, and we have some desires uh, for shortcut which we're going to talk about. But you go into Automator, and it's it's confusing what to do because like the first panel is like, do you want a workflow or an application or like I don't know, like I just want to do stuff. And I feel like so much of, of the of the the path within Automators is just really confusing to new users. Yeah. Well, it's limited. There's just a lot that you can't do with it. Mm-hmm. And if Sal's listening, he's right now banging his dashboard saying, but you have Apple script integration and you have scripting and he's right. And you have Apple and there's in a lot of ways, it's way more powerful, but for typical users or even, you know, I would say power users, a lot of us that, you know, it's just, it's a bridge too far. Yeah, that stuff is is even harder to get on board with at first. So and 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 why not put sh- shortcuts for Mac and still include Apple Script support and yeah. scripting support? You know, so anyway, uh, I, I'd like to see that. I don't know if this is the year, but you know, I, I would like to hope that at some point Apple wants to get that automation story on all of their hardware. What about iOS? Um, this year I am not feeling the pain nearly as much as I was last year. So, you know, looking forward last year, I was anxious because I really wanted to use the iPad more. And there was a whole bunch of limitations I was, I was hitting where it just wasn't working. And most of those got fixed this year. And, you know, the, of course it could all be better, but it, it is reached a minimum level of viability in terms of just the, the work I do. So that's great. Um, that being said, I am a fan of tags and I'd like to see better tag support. I'd like to see even more file support. If Apple can get this, you know, Dropbox like feature, uh, I would like to see that be just as user friendly on iOS as I'd like it to be on the Mac. And um, I have many shortcuts requests, but I don't know if you guys want to hear all that stuff right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, 
I looked through your shortcut list and I, I actually agree with, I think all of them. So there's some organizational stuff, like there's no folder support in yeah, shortcuts. Folders, please, please yeah. folders. Or even yeah. basic sorting. Like it's, it's just, they're just in there and you can rearrange them how you want, but it, it falls down really quickly if you have more than about a dozen shortcuts, I think. Yeah. And this year they gave us a bunch of triggers. I want more. Rose and I have been covering iBeacons on automators lately. They're awesome. You should be checking them out. Listen to those shows if you haven't. But I want iBeacons as triggers and shortcuts. Um, I want the whole system to, to be even more user-friendly. I, you know, since I did that short, shortcuts field get, I've heard from so many people that have never tried automation and now are using it on a daily basis. I want them to go even further with that. I, I mean, this is the dream that we wanted with Automator when it first came out. But I think Apple has has put together something with shortcuts that a lot of people are trying. More integrations, of course, and then suggested in the forums. I can't believe I didn't put this on the list. Copy and paste blocks. I mean, it's so obvious. I do it in Keyboard Maestro all the time, if not every day, and it it's, it drives me batty in shortcuts that once I put together, you know, six blocks of automation that I can't copy and paste them into a different, you know, shortcut. Yeah, you're just like, I've done this before. I'm building like similar shortcuts and I'll have like an, a reference shortcut open on my phone while I'm creating the new one on the iPad. Even it's like, yeah, there's gotta be a better way to share stuff that I've already done. Well, one way you can do it that is a little meta, but you can make them like subroutines. So if there's like a block of six that you want to use in three different shortcuts, you just save that shortcut and then you can run that shortcut from within the other shortcut. Right. Cause that's one of the actions. But it's not all. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes they're just a little different, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you use them as a starting point, and then in that case, it doesn't really work. But yeah, there, there's a lot you could do with short. Any, you know, stability. I mean, there are a bunch of stability problems still with shortcuts. Yes. Um, but the uh, so, but that I feel like because that's at the sharp end of the stick, it's going to have problems like that. But but yeah, the folder thing. I mean, it, it is just turning into madness right now for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, but overall. I think my feeling is going into 2020 is they can really, they don't have as big of a, uh, of a task this year. And maybe this is the year that they do really dial in and tighten down some of these things. Uh, as far as, as iCloud, I've got uh, a couple again that we, we share these more generous free storage. The five gigabytes is just. Yeah. Spiteful. Every year, that's that's. I'm still banging my nose against that glass. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it's just please, please. Yeah, I mean, there there's so many tech things that I saw by just telling somebody like just pay the ninety nine cents a month for the next the next level up. Um, yeah. Uh, so that that would be awesome. I think just continual improvement of things like syncing and uh, the speed of syncing. Like I still have issues in Catalina to iOS thirteen sometimes. Where, like a note just won't sync until I you know, force refresh it or force quit the app. It's like, come on, like this should be running, uh, running more smoothly. And of course we talked about like, just do what Dropbox does, like go through their feature list, build all of them in the Apple, you know, secure private way. And I think, I think a lot more people would be willing to pay more to, uh, to do that. Or, Or people like me, I forget if you're in the situation or not. I think you are. I pay for the, like a really big iCloud plan for like shared family, like yeah. iCloud family sharing, my wife's photo library, my photo library. Uh, a, like I want to share photo libraries. But B, I have a bunch of iCloud space that I pay for that I don't use. It'd be great to 
move stuff into there, but I need Dropbox's feature. So I think I think it's got to grow up. Yeah, my problem is with two kids that also have iPhones. The that you know the uh, the space isn't as big as you'd think it is. You know, but the uh, <laughs> you could use more. Yeah, but the uh, but I agree. I mean, I, I just think keep the ball moving. One of the problems with iCloud is that it means so many different things. Like for example, when iOS 13 released, one of the big features was we're gonna we're gonna synchronize colored flags between iOS and Mac. And you know, one of the things I've come to realize with mail is rather than try to solve all my mail problems on an iPhone or iPad, quite often I'll just go through and triage it. And I've got a whole system for, you know, a red flag means one thing an orange flag means another thing. So I've got different colored flags I apply. And then, so I'll triage on the mobile device, but then when I get to the Mac, I clear them out. But for the first month or so of these new operating systems, the sync status of those flags was just a complete mess. I mean, it's like my Mac would have 32 emails flagged. My iOS device would have 17, you know, my iPhone would have 17 and my iPad would have 42. And I'd be like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, (laughs) like, you know, I, are they all saying like, if I, if I take care of something, Am I going to miss one? And I actually mm-hmm. found a couple I missed. I just did. If you got an email from me over the weekend for a Max Barkey support question, <laughs> it's because of the syncing problem. I found a couple that fell through the cracks. But the um, either way, you know, but now it's started working again. So, but iCloud is like that. There's all these elements to it. And just, just keep, don't feel like you've got this figured out, Apple. Please keep working on this really hard because it still needs work. Apple in general, what do you think? What do we need from them next year? I feel like the path that they're on is a good one. Again, if they can solve the software, the like, so whatever happened to iOS 13, if they can solve that. But what I really hope we see is a, a clearer definition of where they think their platforms are going to go in terms of development. So we, we spoke about this with John Voorhees on a couple of weeks ago about uh, Mac Catalyst and iOS apps running on the Mac. But is that something developers should do in light of Swift UI? Like, I just don't know if anyone knows the answer to that. I'm not sure if Apple knows the answer to that yet, but I think Apple sort of a leading by example and good applications written with their own technology, but just telling developers and telling users, this is kind of where we see this going and it may change some, but this is our, our broad, you know, broad strokes of what we want to do. And I think in the absence of that, we've had all this fear of, you know, is the Mac just going to become a big iPad are they going to continue to simplify it in ways we don't like? You know, what is the iPad going to do? Like, so much of that that hand wringing could just be solved by Apple just saying what's on their mind about this stuff. And I hope that we get a glimpse into that uh, at WWDC this year, like really understanding where they want to go with their platforms and moving them closer together. I think if we had Apple sitting here today, they they'd say be very clear the future is Swift UI. But what they haven't been clear about is when do they anticipate that future mm-hmm. really sinking in? You know, at what point is Swift UI going to be in a shape for you know, normal developers to be able to use it in their everyday practice? I mean, it's clearly not now, you know. Um, I've talked to developer friends who were only able to use Swift UI because they knew so many inner workings of Swift to begin with that they were able to, it's like, it, it's clearly not in shape now for people to, to make a lot of apps with it. But, you know, it's like, what is the timeline? Is this something that you anticipate in three years or two years? I mean, I think that really could help people out. 
happen. Me too. But overall, I, I think that um, Apple has kind of returned a lot of focus to the Mac and to their hardware and to the iOS stuff. Um, I feel like that we had a phase where, you know, you heard about this Apple car so much that I, and the campus, you know, the new campus they built that I feel like they got their eye off the ball a little bit. Mm -hmm. And while I'm happy to see that they're doing music concerts and TV channels and all that stuff, uh, my advice to them is, you know, just remember what got you there. Don't forget, don't forget this Mac and, you know, iPhone and, uh, and the software stuff, because I think that that's really what's going to pay the bills at the end of the day. Yep. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Direct Mail. Go to directmailmac.com slash MPU to create and send great looking email newsletters with Direct Mail, an easy to use email marketing app designed exclusively for the Mac. Now, if you're looking to grow your customer base or connect with fans or build a following this year, a super cost-effective way to reach people is still email. Over 15 years now, Direct Mail has for the Mac has been the go-to email marketing application for businesses, nonprofits, and schools, and other organizations who want to expand their reach and connect with customers. It's designed just for the Mac, so you get all those good Mac feels when you use the application. You can get your work done in half the time using all the Mac technologies you've grown to love, like drag-and-drop, keyboard shortcuts, integration with other apps, none of this web nonsense. And Direct Mail has eye-catching templates that are infinitely customizable and look great on all devices. Direct Mail has a helpful customer service staffed by actual humans. There's no chatbots, no AI. I love that. And they're just friendly folks ready to help you at no extra charge. So send your first email campaign today with a free download of Direct Mail. Listeners of this podcast will also save 10% off the full featured pricing plans. In order to do that, head over to directmailmac.com MPU to experience the top-rated email marketing app for Mac. We're heading into a new year. It's a great time to get started with the direct mail marketing and direct mail Mac is the way to go. You can see how they can help your business grow. Our thanks to direct mail for their support of the Mac power users and all of Relay FM. So let's talk a little bit about the ecosystem at large, you know, the sort of maybe developers and the community around Apple, what we would like to see next year. Sure. I'll tell you on iOS side, I'd like to see more professional iPad apps. You know, we've got some, but now that Apple has the hardware game figured out, now that they've got a better file system and we can connect a drive to the iPad, I, I feel like that the penny that needs a drop is some really, you know, mind blowing iPad applications. And I'd really like this to be the year that we get that. The power, the hardware is there, right? Like it can do. Yeah anything it seems like and you can see third-party apps really pushing in some interesting ways but why hasn't apple put logic or final cut or you know some version of them on the ipad you know things like garage band can only get you so far things like imovie can only get you so far and i think it would be spectacular to see what they could do in that arena with that hardware i think one of the big problems has been the pricing model you know People pay real money for Mac apps, and they generally don't for iPad and iPhone apps. But mm -hmm. as the subscription pricing models got better, you know, companies like Adobe are now heading to the to the iPad. Um, I, I feel like that we're going to see more of it this year, and I I really feel like the platform has got to a point where it's entitled to have some pro level apps. 
and just as pro level as the apps on the Mac, frankly. And uh, we need more of that heading into 2020. That's one of my big hopes. Yeah. Xcode, right? <laughs> the list goes on and on. Yeah. Uh, one thing I, I would like to see, uh, actually kind of hand in hand with that, is more and better Catalyst apps on the Mac. I would like Apple to lead the charge there, again, with messages or something else, showing what this technology can do, uh, showing what Swift UI can do. Just kind of pushing those boundaries in a way that that makes sense. You know, I think moving to something like Catalyst or SwiftUI just to do it, like if you're a developer, like that's fine, I guess. But there should be there should always be a compelling reason. And I think a lot of the apps we spoke about with John a few weeks ago wouldn't exist otherwise. And so that makes me excited about the future of this. So I hope developers uh, keep a focus on that. Yeah, agreed. And hopefully, you know, even some toes getting dipped into swift ui would be nice too mm-hmm. um i'd like to see a greater embrace of shortcuts i mean it's been you know way better in 2019 than it was in 2018 but but now that apple's created the system where you can essentially create your own shortcut tools with a an app developer can i want to see more of that and um and i feel like we will i mean i think there's a lot of stuff in the works i hear from developers all the time that are coming up with interesting and unique ways to do that. And and I love automation on iOS, and I think that's that's the path. One thing uh, you mentioned, uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here and steal it, is sure. more HomeKit stuff, right? Yeah. Like more hardware from more manufacturers. Uh, I went through this whole thing with like HomeKit secure video, trying a camera, and it was really bad. Like that stuff should be good, and Apple needs to work with their partners and and make it good because HomeKit is really compelling. I mean, in the last couple of weeks when we're recording this, there's been a lot of news about Ring and these other, you know, camera companies and security issues. And I want HomeKit to handle all that for me, but it just can't yet. And I hope that's a big focus for 2020 because I'd love to move. I mean, I would pick up a bunch of my smart home stuff and move it into HomeKit if I could, but I just can't yet. Yeah, I've been trying to because I really buy into Apple's position on privacy. And mm-hmm. I think in particular with with HomeKit, this is a thing where I, I really don't want some company putting a spreadsheet together with the number of times I open and close my front door. You know, mm-hmm. I just don't I just don't want that stuff. And the camera stuff is even more creepy, you know, and uh, and Apple, I think, has a compelling story to tell that they're not in it for that. And they want you to to be keep your stuff private. I have had this back channel communication going on with Zach Hall over at 9to5Mac over the whole year, honestly, because I said I want to upgrade my cameras here this year to HomeKit, but Zach is always testing them. So I'm always like, Zach, tell me when I can buy one. you know. And and honestly, as we got to the end of the year, I um, I had tried a couple things and nothing really worked. And I want to share it with the audience how you know this is the way you're going to get HomeKit to work. It's still not there yet. I saw a sale on Nest Cam. I'm sorry, not Nest, Canary Cam. So I have mm-hmm. a Canary system already. So I bought a couple more canaries, and I'm just kind of kicking the uh, the can down the road six months just to see where we end up with this stuff. But I, it just reminded me that as good as HomeKit is, it doesn't have the hardware support that it needs, and um, and we need to see it get to that next level. And hopefully, that happens next year. Mm-hmm. I think my last one is it's sort of for the community, so it's a, a little bit different from from what we've talked about but you know i think the apple community is bigger than ever and i'm not just i'm not talking about mpu specifically it's just like in general people using apple products that that number is bigger than ever 
And I think as as that continues to happen, those of us who have been here a long time should be welcoming to new users, people, you know, exploring this world for the first time. It should be a community where they feel welcomed and safe to ask questions. And because that was true for us, you know, when, when we were coming up, I know it was for sure. me where I yeah. got my start in all of this, like the Apple discussion boards when I was in high school and college. And I think for the most part, the Apple community does a pretty good job of this. Actually, like part of this is like a pat on the back that I think we're actually for the most part, a pretty welcoming group and pretty supportive of new users. But I think just we're, we all just want to make this stuff work better for ourselves and our loved ones. And I think where we have opportunities to do that, we should take it. And that's harder than just, you know, kind of being snippy on Twitter, but it's it's ultimately more rewarding for everybody. So uh, that's something I want to be better at. I think our community is really good at it. I think the MPU family is really good at it. But I want to see that continue to get better in the year to come. I mean, there's there's two communities I participate in, really. It's kind of the Apple ecosystem community. And also, I participate in some of the Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. And in both of those communities, because of the internet, it's become real easy to be that guy who's like super negative about something. Like, right. you know, oh, you're on the iOS. You're, you're not a real Apple person because everybody, the only people who use the Mac are real. Or, mm-hmm. you know, and the same thing, the Star Wars is the same way. And it feels like in our modern kind of society and the the anonymized communication and mass distribution of ideas has this polarizing effect where no matter what you're interested in, everybody has to become tribal and choose sides. And I was really happy you put this in because I, I agree with you. I feel like Apple has avoided that. I remember the old days when it was Mac versus um, Windows. And yeah. it, it was just, it was horrible, honestly. I mean, whatever. I, I've always told people, use whatever works for you. I, this works mm-hmm. for me and I'm going to share my story, but I don't care. I mean, if, and then it kind of started with um, iPhone versus Android, but that never really took off. But, but I'm just, you know, I, I'm, I would like to, once again, I think celebrate our community hasn't really gone down that road. When we made the forums for Mac power users, I was, you know, I looked at it very carefully at the beginning as to, am I going to you know, keep paying for this? Because I'm not going to create like a hate forum. If that's mm-hmm. what it is, we're not we're just not going to do it, but it, it never did. I mean, people are very supportive and, and I agree with you. I, I think we need to keep mindful of that as we go forward. I was really glad you put this in the outline. Yeah. Well, speaking of the forums, we put out uh, a call for 2020 wishes from our listeners. And uh, I actually read this after I put my stuff in because I wanted to make sure like my thoughts were my thoughts. Sure. But it was amazing how many things I read in this forum post like that we've already covered. Yeah. Like a lot of us are on the same page with this. Yeah. We we had actually made the outline for the show before I put the post up. But but there was also some really good ideas in here yeah. too that, that we missed. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of talk around the Apple Watch, which I've sort of come back to since September uh, in a in a bigger way than I expected really? with the always on display. You didn't tell me that. It's not on my wrist every day, but it's on my wrist most days. Right. And one thing that several people pointed out was like even more customization of the Apple Watch faces. You know, I'm using the uh, the California watch face and it's great because you can really make it do a lot of different things and make them look totally different. But it's like, it's just a taste of what it could be if Apple really let, I'm going to say it, third-party developers build watch faces or at least make the first-party ones more flexible. And I feel like it's more important now than ever because of the always-on display that other people can see it, (laughs) you know? 
Right now, Tim Cook is like 5 a.m. and Tim Cook is listening to this on his morning workout. You of course. Know, I, hey, Tim. In my, in my, in my head, Ken, and he listens to every episode. So, Tim, listen to me, Tim. All right. This is what you do. Make the Apple Watch faces. You sell them for 99 cents each. Nerds like me will buy a bunch of them. Then you can just give away the 99 cent tier of iCloud. So when you get your quarterly earnings, you're going to have the same numbers. It's all it's all good, baby. But just give give the storage away. Sell the watch faces. It's going to work. There we go. I love it. <laughs> you can have it for free, Tim. Um, so yeah, the, the, you know, Apple watch customization, I think is a huge one and it's evergreen. Like ever, until it happens, we're just going to keep talking about it. So which watch face are you using now that you're wearing your watch every day? So I'm using California. Um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> and, uh, I've got it full of complications and it's oh, really, um, mm-hmm. there aren't that many on the California face. Yeah. Oh, you've probably got the smaller version where you can put them around the edges. Yes. Yeah, so I'm using the round version. I'll put a link of it, uh, in, in the show notes, but I've got, uh, the date, calendar event and then activity rings carrot weather and todoist so i can see stuff we're going to share ours i'm going to do the same thing and now have you got the dark background or the light back what's the background yeah dark background and all the text is just white i don't i don't like a lot of color on my watch faces yeah me too ours are going to look very similar except and then um you've got the roman numerals on top and the arabic numerals on the bottom right like a gentleman no i'm using the arabic numbers all the way around oh Steven. Sorry. Steven. Yeah, I, I do have the full size screen. It's the 50 plus watch face <laughs> because I tried the smaller ones. I couldn't read any of them without my glasses on. So I'm like, what's the point if I can't read them? But I just had the date. Yeah. And then I'm one swipe away from the, uh, you know, the one with all the data. If I need all the data, I've got that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The u- utility or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's fine. Let's share that. In the, if in the forum you've got a, a special watch face that you think is really cool, you should share it. If, if they were to make a watch face, do you know what you would want? See, that's where I always fall down in this exercise because I don't know. Primarily, I would like to be able to mix and match a little bit more. Like there's part of this California style that I don't really care for. Like one thing I, I used to really like in the utility watch face was to be able to change the color of the second hand. And yeah. You can't do that. It's always red. Like that's small and silly, but like I really enjoyed that, that I could change it to match, you know, my mood or what I was wearing or something. And now it's just always red. And I find that to be a little sad. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I'd like to see some more customization too. And I'd like to just see what, what smart people come up with. I'm sure there'd be a few in there that I'd like. Mm-hmm. The uh, Another common theme from the listeners was iCloud Drive to take on Dropbox. Yeah. yeah, we've talked about that enough, but I, I mean, this is the year. They kind of announced it already, so, you know, cash the check now that you've written it. Uh, smaller cut into developer's income, 30% is too high. You know, why not? I mean, it's easy to give away Apple's money, but that is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. And if in the world of renewing subscriptions, if a customer stays with you for a year, then it drops to 15%. So that has helped, but not all apps have that and retention can be difficult to maintain and yeah 30 percent is at this point it it is too high and obviously don't know the economics of it but whatever they are apple can absorb it and i think it would go a long way towards developers feeling good about working on apple's platforms it's, it's hard for me to root against developers on any any question the um mm-hmm. i can tell you that when i went from selling books from ibooks author 
to some of them myself, that 30% raise I got was really yeah. nice, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, um, lower power data mode for Mac OS, you know, it's just basically, can we have a, um, yeah, something that allows us to like when we tether, you know, automatically, you know, slow down the data that we take. Mm-hmm. We've talked about trip mode a lot, but that should just be built in. And yeah, I really actually like this. I think the more interesting part of this is low power mode because on iOS, like on your iPhone, it's amazing how big of a difference it can make if you just flip it into low power mode. And that would be nice on the Mac if you're traveling or something, have a long day and, you know, Apple's got to figure out how to make all that work. But I think it would be nice to have that option. And, you know, right now you can kind of do it with trip mode even of like, well, if photos can't talk to the internet, it's not going to spin up the CPU. So I'm saving power that way. But like, this should be cleaner and more accessible to all users not just those who have heard about, you know, a random third-party utility. Yeah, and and really part and parcel would to this would be a cellular-enabled Mac. That would mm-hmm. be great. Yeah, yeah, maybe ARM will make that more possible. I guess I guess we'll find out at some point in the future. Yeah, and Apple made networking product like Eero. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, yes, it's like Apple doesn't need to mine my data. Just like the HomeKit discussion, I would much prefer to do stuff like that with a company that doesn't sell ads. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know that, the, you know, I don't know why they gave up on it, but, you know, but that, that kind of goes back to that period of time when I felt like they were kind of focused on cars and other things too much. Maybe part of them turning their attention back to their core products will result in something like this. I think it's wishful thinking probably, but Probably, maybe. I mean, they've announced HomeKit support for routers, but I don't think anyone actually knows what that means. Like, it's just, yeah, uh, who knows? And so maybe that will solve some of this. But you know, uh, I think that it's a. Uh, I feel like Apple got out of it just at the wrong time. Like as they got out of it, Eero and Linksys, these others are these like multi-point. And we've talked about. I mean, it was a sponsor. Like, disclose that. Yeah. Um, I didn't pay for the Eeros in my house, but. Uh, but they're really good. And if you have a house like mine that's sort of spread out in a weird way, it's great. And the airport like couldn't ever really do that. But I loved managing the airports because it was really easy. It's like, Apple, you just get, get back in the water. There's there's room for you to swim in this pool too. And what if, I mean, what if Apple TVs and HomePods had that technology built in? Yeah. I mean, you're already, you know, we're already going to have that stuff in the house. And I think it would be really interesting to see them get back into it sort of in the modern era. Yeah, hopefully. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. You can make your next move with Squarespace because it lets you combine things like a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and much more. If you just think about think about the last website you visited for maybe a small business, they've got uh, a portfolio, you know, pictures of products. They have an online store, perhaps they have maps, they have a contact form. Websites need all of this stuff, and Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that you do all of those things under one roof. And the best part is there's no there's no like software patches to install. You don't have to become some sort of web admin because Squarespace has all of that sort of stuff covered. They have award-winning at 24-7 customer support if you have any questions at all. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and an award-winning template that are all beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas so you can get the ball rolling. Anytime someone comes to me with help for a website, 
Uh, we go to Squarespace. I'm getting ready to start uh, a new website for my elementary school, uh, kids' elementary school, like their parent organization. Because the website they have now, it's built in something else that's really hard to maintain. It looks bad. And Squarespace is going to solve all their problems. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash MPU. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name and to show you support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash MPU and the code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. I'd like to thank Squarespace for the support of the show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. All right, I thought it'd be fun as we're heading into 2020 to just talk about some of the tech we want to get better at heading into the next year. For me, I always at the new year do kind of like give some thought to that. You know, where am I falling down with my technology? Where could I get better? And uh, I have actually quite a few on my list here. The first one is something, and I've been talking about this on the Automators podcast as well, is I feel like I'm aware of a lot of the cloud-based automation tools, you know, like Zapier, but I'm not using them to their full advantage. I'm very good at automation stuff on like shortcuts and keyboard maestro, you know, the, the native platform automation, I've got wired down pretty good, but uh, I want to get better at cloud automation next year. Those tools are really powerful, right? Because they glue all of these things together that make it difficult, you know, or difficult to do in the sort of the native apps you talked about. I've got Zapier set up for quite a few things. And, you know, one of my favorites is if you tweet with a certain hashtag, it goes into a spreadsheet. You know, like I used to spend tons of time a week on show prep looking for that hashtag and and going through tweets. And it's just awesome to open a Google Sheet and see it all collected there by the little Zapier robot. And it it's really change the way I work in those sort of areas for the better. Yeah. Another one for me is home automation. Um, we've got some listeners that are doing amazing things with home automation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some real home kit wizards out there. Yeah. And, but you know, home kit, there are limits. It's like, it's not, there's better tools for home automation if you really want to go deep. Right. I mean, I remember the old X10 days and it was crazy, but you know, it's like I was listening to an episode of connected where um Federico was talking about how he had an alarm connected oh, gosh, yeah. just to us he had a, a house alarm connected to a switch you know because you can have a home kit switch that cuts the power off or turns it on i'm like that's kind of obvious but also kind of brilliant and i never even occurred to me and like i've been going deeper with the home kit automation stuff like even just with like our christmas tree lights or like in my studio i have some of those strip lights but then like I'll be in bed at night and I'll think of something I need to do and go into the studio and be stumbling over. So I just put a, an IR sensor in the studio. And if it's between certain hours and I come in, it puts the strip lights on at 50% and then it turns them off after five minutes. It's such an obvious, easy automation. Listeners are saying that that's not, you know, you're not helping me, Dave, that I already knew how to do that. But hmm. just like having stuff like that in my life does make it easier. And I want to get better at that this year. One for me in sort of the automation realm is applying automation to my production chain for podcasts. So I have a little bit of this now, you know, with Mojave and like the finder services thing, you can make an automator action and, and turn it into like a right click thing really easily. Um, and I have some of that and I'm not being vague just to be vague. Like it's actually kind of hard to talk about this, but I've got 
you know, uh, I need to bring files in. I need to make sure they're in the right folder. I need to do some stuff. And uh, I use Adobe Audition to normalize and do some volume stuff with them. And then I edit in Logic. And just looking for ways where I can automate that would be would be useful because it's stuff that I do like all the time. And that's always like the best place to think about where you may want to add automation or things that you, like you're repeating tasks. And this is a huge one for me, even some file management stuff on the back end. So I keep podcasts, like the edited logic projects around for a couple of weeks. And then I, I discard them. I don't keep the logic files long-term. I used to do it, but I, I do way too many shows now. And over the course of five years, like I would definitely be out of drive space. And even that of like just knowing when that folder, um, you know, when I could get rid of that. So I've played with Hazel a little bit in that regard, but I haven't found anything I quite like yet. So I really want to focus my sort of automation skills on my production in 2020 so uh, I can speed things up that I do, you know, day in and day out. Yeah, you got to pre- preserve that four terabyte SSD in there. <laughs> That's right. I, I want to do a keyboard maestro intervention with you at some point. Like just... Tell me your problems and let me try and write a keyboard maestro script for you. Because mm-hmm. I feel like the keyboard maestro would solve almost all of those problems. But it's a little fiddly, like you have to remember to put pauses in the scripts. And right. stuff. It's, 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 if you, once you spend some time with the app, in fact, I just got a, an email from a listener saying that that's his Christmas break task. He's going to like, really dig in on the, the keyboard maestro field guide and try and get good at it. But you got to like kind of learn that the little weird things about it. But Mm -hmm. I feel like if you put that into place, I think you could automate a lot of that stuff. I think so too. My, my last one is I want to get better at video production because I'm doing, I I have this YouTube channel. I don't publish to it enough. And I, uh, I just, I make too much out of it. Every time I produce it, I, I feel like I have good enough equipment to make decent videos. I just need to get better at doing it, you know, but you know, just seems like that always falls to the back burner. So I don't know. I have a lot of, every year I always have a lot I want to do next year. Oh yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I don't have in the doc, but I'm with you on the YouTube stuff. Like I've had a pretty yeah. good pace at the end of the year and I have done things in like my gear setup to make that easier to, to reduce uh, the friction of making videos. Part of that is the Mac pro. But a lot of that is time. Like as I do more videos, I get much faster at it. And I want to kind of keep that pace up next year when I can. It's still basically a hobby, but I yeah. want to to be more present on my YouTube channel. You know, just crossed 20,000 subscribers, which is not a lot in YouTube land, but it's a lot for me. And yeah. it was a nice achievement. And I want to, I saw a lot of that growth as I was publishing videos more rapidly. And with YouTube, you got to feed the machine. And I want to get better at all that in 2020. And what I would say to all the MPU listeners, and I know there's a lot more than 20,000 of you out there, um, if you have a moment this week, go sign up and subscribe to Steven's channel. If you feel really generous, sign up for mine, but <laughs> Steven's is amazing, and he does really great work. And if you like MPU, you're going to like the stuff he's putting out on that channel. Oh, thanks, man. I will put both in the show notes. People can, can do them both. Yeah, you can see, you know, an example of somebody doing it right and somebody doing it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. It it is funny, though. We're on a tangent now. I apologize. But like I've been writing Fido Pixels for coming up on entering the 12th year. And my old writing is not good, but at least it's buried in WordPress somewhere. But on YouTube, like one of my most popular videos is my first one. And it's garbage. But for whatever reason it does really well in search. So, I, you know, I'm not ever going to pull it, pull them down, but 
I can really see over the course of the three or four years of my channel how the quality's really gone up. And I'm really proud of that. But the the downside of that is you watch something old, it's like, ooh, that was, that's not very good. <laughs> so what about Mac Power Users? Uh, one of the things Steve and I do is we have a monthly call where we talk about not only the upcoming shows, but just the show in general and things we want to do. And a lot of the stuff that we talked about in preparing for this year came true. So we're very happy to have live shows and the thing with Apple. Uh, we're looking to do the same thing for next year. You know, more of the same we're going to continue largely to have content and guest shows. We're hoping to have a live show in 2020. I'm sorry if you're in Chicago, it's not going to be in Chicago. We've done a lot there. <laughs> so we have, uh, we have a couple locations in mind. We don't want to say anything yet, but um, we're hoping. And, um, and the other thing I, I both Steve and I want to do this year is uh, we were looking back. Some of our favorite shows were not, um, were the guest shows that didn't include somebody that no normally writes tech, you know, and those are great people to have on because they have a lot of opinions and they try out a lot of things. So we're still going to have folks like that on, but I also want to, you know, make sure we get out there to the sheep farmers of our audience and other folks who have interesting things to say. So, uh, heading into 2020, we're doing a call for guests now. If you are doing something interesting with your Apple tech, let us know and and send us a note, kind of give us an idea of what you're doing. I don't know if these are going to be full shows or maybe we'll have some shows with multiple guests, but we want to hear from, from different voices this year and let us know what you've got to say. I'm not promising you that if you write me an email, no matter how many words it is, you're going to get on. We've got to still kind of do some balancing and things, but but please do send it through. We are going to look at these real seriously. If you've already sent me one in the last year, I, I've got a, a nice list I've been building, but go ahead and forward it again. I probably got you already, but just in case. But uh, we're looking to get some interesting guests next year, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we've we've got a couple scheduled now that I'm that I'm really excited about, and uh, yeah, I agree with that. And I think having the the variety is always really interesting. I think something else that that I think about for the show of next year is is to go back to the forums for a little bit is is to continue to grow that you know we talk about that uh, a bunch and it's a, it's a great community so if you've listened to the show for a long time and you haven't checked that out uh, I think it's a, I think it's totally worth your time to to dip your toe in the water there and even if you're you know I, mean, I I check it you know several times a week but even if you just have a question that comes up you know instead of asking Twitter or Facebook come to the Mac Power Users Forum first, and I, and I bet people can get you taken care of. It's a place that uh, people answer questions with love, you know, which you, there are many places like that on the internet right now. So uh, I think it's great. Another thing we did this year we didn't even mention was the newsletter, and um, yeah, and that's doing really well too. So I, I don't know, we had, I think we had a good year. Just, you know, in closing, as we were uh, making this transition last year, you know, once I knew Katie, you know, had something she needed to do, and I had to say, well, do I still want to make Mac Power Users? I was still excited about it then. And Stephen, you were, as I've said before on the show, you were the first choice. And I'm just so happy that you came on the show. And uh, I still love making this show every week. And that means that uh, you, dear listener, are stuck with us for the foreseeable future. And um, <laughs> that's right. And, and I, I just want to thank all the listeners that have been so supportive. I know when there's a host change, nobody likes change, but you know, I've talked to a lot of you. I've corresponded with even more of you and it's just, you guys have been so generous to me and Steven as we've, you know, we've changed the show up a little bit, you know, it always comes with a host change, but you've stuck in there with us. And I, I just really appreciate it. And I hope you all have a, a great holiday. And as you go into the new year, not only are you looking forward to having fun next year, but but coming along for the ride with the Mac Power users. 
All right, well, thanks to our sponsors, 1Password, FreshBooks, Direct Mail, and Squarespace. We are the Mac Power Users, and we'll see you next week.